You're listening to the Millennials Choice Show, Canada's most trusted podcast on all things real estate, finance, and entrepreneurship. Here's your host, Matthew Ablican. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Millennials Choice Show. I'm your host, Matthew Ablican. Today, I have a very special guest in the house, so I feel like I already know her and her husband because I see them all over social media. They are killing it. And it's an awesome, awesome episode. So I want to welcome to the show, Investor Mel. Welcome to the show, Mel. Matthew, thank you so much for, for having me, uh, David. Sorry, I apologize that you couldn't be here. We, we often divide and conquer, of course, um, but we're super excited to be here. Well, that's how you build an empire, am I right? So, well, exactly. I got, I got my wife in the other room. She's doing a bunch of work as well. So I, I totally appreciate it. And we'll get you guys on the next time together. So guys, before we get started, if you're listening to this on any one of our podcast outlets, make sure you download the, the episode and share with your family and friends. Listen to it more than once because repetition is the mother of skill. So if you're watching this on YouTube, smash that like button, leave us a comment, subscribe. It helps with the algorithm. And let's get started. So Investor Mel, tell us about how you guys got started. Uh, tell us before you know you guys got into the real estate game, like what were, what were your lives like and what made you really want to get into real estate? And let's start from there. Yeah, well, when I met Dave, I had a couple properties. He had the one house and uh, I had my two girls, but we definitely knew that we wanted we both wanted more. We wanted he. I remember when I first met him. He uh, he said, "I'm I'm going to be a millionaire someday," but had no idea how he was going to do it. He figured with real estate, but again, it was not something we we knew how to do it. Um, and then we decided to. Dave was a full time firefighter. I used to work at our local college uh, full time as well in in program development. And uh, we decided, okay, well, let's continue to to buy properties. So we did what often we do in real estate, and we used our own money. We refinanced the one house I had, and those kind of strategies to to buy a couple more. And then, of course, boom, we hit that common roadblock of running out of money. <laughs> um, and then we realized that while well, my my girls are um, are getting older, my 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 son, I wanted to really make sure I could be there before and after school with him. Um, and and time time was going to be way too late if I kept using the traditional methods of buying real estate. So that's that's when we um, we were on a trip actually in Florida. We read, I'm sure most of your listeners likely have read it as well. Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And although it didn't show us how to implement the strategies of growing our portfolio, it definitely gave us the right mindset. So um, that's uh, the next year. That's when we got right into the creative financing. We bought 12 properties in 12 months. Um, that was 56 units. And now throughout the years, we bought over 240 units um, in five countries. So we're really diversifying our portfolio as well. That's amazing. So for those of you guys tuning in and hearing this story for the first time, so I, I follow Investor Melvin Bay on their social media. They teach clients how to buy properties with little or no money down. And that's what that's what she's talking about today. So I, I know that roadblock that you're talking about now. And a lot of people go through it because if you don't fit in the bank's bubble and very narrow guidelines of what it takes to get financing from them, uh, first of all, you won't qualify for the mortgage. But second of all, it's very difficult to save, you know, 20% on every single investment property. And, and if you're working a full-time job, it's very, very difficult to do that. So, so talk to us about that. Like, how did you come across that idea where you can start raising money or partnering with other people or just walk us through your process? I know, I know there's really um, no right way to do it, 
a lot of people do it differently, but talk us about your process exactly. Yeah, and, and you're being on. There's definitely different ways of doing it. Um, so Dave and I, we we always we heard about joint venture partners and, and all that, but it was really we really wanted to find a way of buying the properties and, and keeping the ownership, keeping the decision making, keeping the cash flow depreciation. Um and, and that and we then we started off, well, let's do that. And and a lot of people said, Well, you can't grow as quickly, and it's not true. Those 12, 12 properties in 12 months that we bought. Um, well, actually, all our properties that we've ever bought, they're no joint venture partner. So our specialty, it, that's exactly it. It's no money down and also no joint venture partner. It's not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just how we decided um, to do it so we can really be the, the decision, decision makers on it. Um, so we do a various uh, various strategies that we use, and I'll kind of break it down in, in three. But um, owner financing, which vendor take back or seller financing, it's all the same thing. We do many, many of those. Uh, using secured funds like somebody else's RSPs. Of course, you have to be working with financial institutions who are open to to these types of things as well. And then promissory notes as well. So it's really a combination of these three um, strategies that really enabled us to accelerate our growth. And the cool thing is that once you know how to do it, it's not just applicable in Canada or the States. Like we're we're in Canada, we're in the States as well, but we're also in Mexico, in the Dominican Republic, and in Costa Rica now. That's amazing. So so you got three different strategies. Uh, first of all, twelve properties in in twelve months is is one property a month. That's amazing. We it was a busy year. Not gonna lie, it was yeah, a busy was year. Say. We definitely worked hard. And uh, we did not watch any uh, TV except for cartoons at night with the kids. That was about it that year. But we were on a mission. We were on a mission to work really, really hard at first um, to create that, you know, that 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 wealth for ourselves and that, that financial freedom, really. So that way, um, next year I was able to quit my full time job. So it paid off. But yes, definitely, it didn't happen without uh, lots of early mornings. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. I, I always tell people that when you're investing in real estate, you are investing in a business. It's not as easy as you know, some people on social media make it seem uh, in terms of, oh, you know, it's it's for everybody. I, I tell people sometimes that I don't think real estate investing may necessarily be the right avenue for you, but it's it's the mindset that you really have to establish and, and move forward with. And when you talk to like-minded investors, we, we all have the, the same mindset about it. So uh, kudos to you, 12 properties in, in 12 months. That's amazing. So talk to us about uh, the structure. So now, if you guys want to retain the ownership or people are wanting to bring their RRSP funds to you, for example, uh, what, what can they expect in terms of a return and what does the transaction or the deal look like from their perspective? Yeah, so so great question. Um, so so let's say somebody wants to, they have money in RSPs. You're not pull, you're not taking out your RSPs from um, from your RSPs because nobody would want to do that. And I would not recommend it because I would not be doing you a favor as an investor, right? So you're literally just transferring the funds inside that RSP bracket. So you're not pulling it out. Um, and then it, it depends of, of the deal. To be honest, I don't have a, a specific formula for that I say, oh, always offer this percentage. I don't think that would be setting you up for success. It really depends on each deal, of course, because each deal looks different. I've had, and I have some investors that have been with me for many, many years, and sometimes they've made higher interest on certain deals than others because I, I was able to. I knew that I was able to still cash flow and have that huge appreciation. Some deals were slightly tighter, so I wasn't able to be quite as aggressive with the, the return. So it really, really depends 
what's really important is that if you're going to be doing this, if you're going to be lending out, for example, your um, your money to somebody else, whether it's in RSPs or you have a line of credit you want to put to work through a promissory note, or even as an owner, I hold financing for for four people that I've never met. I don't even know what they look like. Um, but what's really key in any one of these strategies is number one, knowing your numbers. And number two, if you're the one taking somebody else's money, you need to make sure that you know before getting into the deal exactly, precisely what your exit is, right? You can't touch anybody else's money unless that's extremely clear. And that's actually something that held us back quite a few years from wanting to do this. I kept hearing about this creative financing, like, well, if we're going to use somebody else's money, like I can't be messing around. That's not just my money. It's somebody else's family and, and all that. And making sure you really have that exit strategy. And, and it should be numerical. That's what it all comes down to. We use our cash flow matrix um, that basically tells us red or red or green. Red means stop if we have that exit strategy or not. Yeah, I want to talk. I want to talk about how you guys are analyzing deals in this current uh, environment here. But before we do that, for those listeners who don't really understand what a seller financing is or a vendor take back mortgage. Can you explain that a little bit, please? Yes, absolutely. And I, I remember having that same question. What what exactly is that? And why would anybody want to do that in the first place? So I think I'll, I'll mention that as well, because I think it's important for people to get that whole concept. So seller financing, vendor take back, owner financing, it's all the same thing. It's when the owner of the property um, literally holds part of the financing for you. And this can be in different format. It can be in secondary place, um, which is the most common in my experience. So, you know, that 20 or 25% down, if it's commercial that you have to come up with, doesn't have to be your money. So they could be holding that. And I'll explain why they would want to do that in a moment. It can be, they can be also in first place. And if they're in first place, uh, this is where maybe using secured funds or promissory note can come into play as well. Um, or sometimes it's also 100% owner finance. And in those cases, they have to have the mortgage completely paid off though. Um, so they're not as common. Um, now, okay, why would anybody want to do that? Because it benefits them like anyone else. Uh, you know, they make interest every single month from it. Um, they were able to maybe get the purchase price that they wanted. I closed the date that they wanted uh, because of capital gains is a huge reason. Like even us as investors, when we sell properties sometimes, because we're putting into, you know, the next deal, kind of like Monopoly, uh, we hold financing as well often. And it's not because we know the person, again, we've never met them, have no idea what they look like, but it's because number one, it benefits me as an investor from a capital gains. I get to defer the capital gains, not to get too complicated, but from a tax perspective, um, it just benefits you. And, and, and that really helps with your growth as an investor. Not everybody's going to want to do it. You're going to get some no's. Um, I get a lot of no's. I got a lot of no's for the years. I still get no's. And that's just something you get used to hearing um, as a creative financing um, investor. But um, but we also get a lot of yeses as well. Yeah. And if, if you look in the market, you guys, like there's a lot of deals out there. And sometimes you may have to go off market and find those deals. But there are people in positions where, uh, as Mel is mentioning, they ne don't necessarily want to pay the tax uh, of selling after they sell their investment property. So they want to hold back some of that. Uh, profit in the form of a loan, in the form of a mortgage, because they will defer their taxes to a future date. And this gives more flexibility, not only on their end, but also as a buyer, you could kind of structure the deal in order for it to make sense as Mel was mentioning. So it could be very, very lucrative. I've done these types of deals as well, um, but not as much as you guys have done. You guys are the experts on this side of the uh, equation. So Tell us why you guys went into other markets like Mexico, Costa Rica, like Dominican, right? Like, why did you guys go into those markets? 
A, a variety of reasons. We we just really wanted to diversify our, our portfolio, number one. Um, we realized why not invest where returns are best, where it's landlord friendly, all, all those kind of benefits as well. And uh, and now it's great. I mean, I have a lot of different places that I can go to, right? In Costa Rica last year, we, we took our kids there for a holiday. And then I gifted uh, my parents a, a month's trip for their 50th anniversary to, to our to our condo. So just it, it's those benefits as well. And then throughout the rest of the year, I'm also making money um, from those properties because we do short-term rentals on on those specific ones. And um, and again, just really investing where, where returns are best. So how important is it for you to have the right group of people around you, especially when you're going to those markets? Oh, I mean, I could not do, there's no investor Mel and Dave alone here. And I'm kind of glad you said that about, you know, the struggles in the background and those kind of things, investor and, and on social media, yeah, you'll see Dave and I, of course, but we, we have such a huge team and, um, and they're priceless. Like, I just don't know, we call them, it's our action team. And I just don't know what I would do without them, whether it is a property management, whether it is um uh my lead of, of 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 operations whether it's social media you know there's we just have a lot of different team members to really be able to do that and and that's the thing as well if you're going to diversify your portfolio you have to have those those right contacts where they can of course you're not able to see them like even before we purchased these properties um we were we didn't see the properties i did my due diligence of course as an investor um, but i didn't go on location i i, I trusted the team type of thing Right. Yeah. I say it in my, my latest book with Kevin Harrington and Robert G. Allen that I co-authored. I say that you got to surround yourself with the right group of people. It's very important to have all the pieces kind of in play because you are moving on a deal sometimes with a rapid speed and you need to win that deal versus other, you know, you're fighting with other investors competing, I should say, with other investors. So you got to move with speed and confidence. And uh, it seems like you guys have a down pack. So Tell us now in this market with interest rates going up, so much doom and gloom in the news and all this negativity that's surrounding real estate. I mean, the stats uh, for, for November 2022 have just been released from the Toronto Real Estate Board. Uh, tell us how you guys navigate a deal and how you look at a deal, because there's a lot of people who claim to be investors. And now when the interest rate started to go up, they're telling me, you know what, they're just going to wait and see and wait and see. And what I try to tell them is that there's a, there's a strategy for every single season. And the strategy right now is different than February 2022. But how do you guys look at deals? What, what are you guys doing and how are you doing it differently? Yeah. And because we've used creative financing all along, interest rates for me doesn't scare me away. Um, and if you look at the chart that they actually put out, I think once a year or so, like you can literally see the chart of real estate investing. There's zigzags, absolutely. But over time, it, uh, price of, of, of properties increases over time and because we're not flippers have i flipped yes do i sell property sometimes absolutely it's part of the journey sometimes however overall my strategy is to buy and hold until i really get that maximum and then i might sell it and put it into a different acquisition um and because that's the strategy it's really about time in the market um and you know when when covid hit for example and everybody was afraid to to buy properties that year i bought 119 apartments right and and people were holding back and and it's just really about getting in the market, but making sure you're doing it strategically and wisely. Like we're finding a lot of owner finance deals 
um, because people may not qualify, for example, and the owner wants to sell their property, they want to get out of it, uh, but people are not buying because of interest rate, or maybe they don't qualify or the numbers don't make sense. So they're actually willing to hold financing at a really, a really attractive rate because that's the way for them to get out. They benefit from the other ways as well. So this is where it's not a matter of stopping. I don't think is a solution. Holdings on solution. I, you know, I just bought a property in Mexico last week or two weeks ago. Um, so we're still actively purchasing in different areas. Uh, but it's just really make sure that your numbers make sense. And that, um, again, you, you, you do look at a lot of deals. You work with investor-focused agents. You find off-market deals as well. Again, the more deals you look at, um, the better and the more you're open to to looking at different areas, of course, naturally, the more deals you're, you get to look at and, and pick the best of the best. So where do you guys like to focus your investing mostly? Like I know you're in other parts of the world, but is there like a particular area that you really like or uh, some characteristics about a particular location that you are looking for? I know you mentioned landlord friendly, but what else do you guys look at that way? Yeah, I mean, the majority of our portfolio is definitely here in Canada and in Ontario, um, but uh, landlord friendly, price per door, uh, the potential of the market. Um, I love Florida, for example. We're looking at a couple more deals um, there as well. And, and that's something else as well. Uh, that's somebody who has secured funds. You can actually your own secured funds to invest. Like say you have RSPs, you can actually use your own secured funds to invest in different areas as well. So we're looking at, at, at doing some of that. Um, early uh, 2023 next year as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love USD money, of course. Uh, we, Dave and I, we, we travel uh, as much as we can. We have three kids. Of course, we're, we're home quite a bit as well, but we try to uh, go on, on numerous trips a year. So being able to go to different locations, whether it's to vacation there or just to to, to go and hey, if I have to check on my property while I'm there, um, then it's a tax write-off and it's a it's a win-win. And you know, there's there's a lot of cool benefits from that as well. Um, I think Alberta is a great place as well. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's a bit more landlord friendly. Um, but people do ask me all the time, Mel, can I still buy properties in Ontario or in BC, for example, where it's not quite as um, landlord friendly? And yes, you can absolutely. But just again stack stack things to your favor do your due diligence properly don't just accept any property management company to put tenants for you you have to make sure that at the end of the day i love what you said uh, matthew and you're 100 right this is a business whether you have one property or 100 properties it's a business it's just a different level scale but you have to treat it like you got to keep emotions out of it and again the reality is nobody's going to care as much about your business as you do so you really have to have those systems in place as you scale as well to to find those great tenants to maintain the properties in return for them so they don't turn around every every you know vacancy all the time type of thing Absolutely. It's a skill. It's a skill. And you make a lot of mistakes, right? You make a lot oh, of mistakes. so many. <laughs> you go through it and you get better at it and then you refine the process. And then you it's ultimately up to you and Dave, how far do you really want to take this? And that's exactly. the exciting part, right? So uh, you have a family, you have legacy, you have all kinds of things to look forward to, which is amazing. But I got to ask you something. So my wife is in, in the other room and a lot of people ask us the question, how do we work together? What are the dynamics between you and Dave in terms of how you guys work together? What does that look like? Is it always rainbows and unicorns or are there challenging times? Oh, of course not. We're, we're a married couple. We have uh, we have conflicts just like anybody else, for sure. Um, but we are. We, we're together a lot. We work out together. We have kids together. We do the activities and then the business, of course, as well. Um, inside the business, 
I think what we got really good at doing, and, and this didn't happen overnight, but um, throughout the years, we got really good at deciding our lanes and 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 dividing and conquering. Like I used to review every single deal. I, I love numbers as well, and and all those kind of things. And and then well, we're two of us doing the same thing, and it really wasn't necessary because he's really good at it and he loves it as well. So, um, so then I went up more on the marketing side and the relationship building and those kind of things as well. So the and knowing and respecting that. If if he makes a mistake or if and when I make a mistake that, you know, we let's find a solution. Let's not pick at each other about it. Um, and it really comes down, I think, to our why. At the end of the day, is it worth fighting for? Because we could fight for an hour here and bicker or go back and forth or, OK, well, I forgot to do this or whatever. Well, OK, what do I do to fix it to make it better? OK, this is a solution and let's move on. And um, yeah, I, I think that really is just being able to forgive very, very quickly and um, and, and just remembering our whys and, and staying in our each our lanes. Yeah, sometimes I, I tell our audience, like, we'll have we'll have dinner and then we'll ask each other, like, how was your day? Because even though we're in the other room from each other, like you mentioned, she's doing something completely different compared to what I'm doing. And Dave is doing something different than what you're doing. But we're equally like moving in the same direction and moving the business in the same direction. So I love that's, that. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Every morning we typically uh, go in the sauna and uh, it's kind of like our half hour, 20 minutes, depending how long we stay to just, okay, what's going on with you? And did you talk with this person? What's happening with this? Because often, yeah, although we're we're together we are off we share a large office together um but we're both often on on various tasks and it wasn't always that way at first um again everything was was new to us the confidence wasn't there and i we both needed to brainstorm off each other constantly but as we as we grew and our confidence grew um as well then we were able to to diversify a little bit more yeah absolutely and so i want to leave you with the the last you know last chance to say something to our audience if you guys i know i've checked out your courses and stuff like that so can you tell us a little bit more about like how our audience can find you if we have people listening to this or watching this they want to invest with you they want to learn more about what it is you're doing can you please tell them where they can find you and, and how they could gain access to that yeah, absolutely. We have a, we have our action family that I might have heard of. Um, that's where we show uh, our students the action family, how to buy properties and your own money, no joint venture partners. Um, but if this is something that you're interested in, the best way is just reach out to us on social media. Um, and then we'll be able to, to book a call with one of my team members and they'll be able to explain every, everything uh, to you about that. And, and same if somebody has some funds. Um, just the best way is just really we're Investor Mel and Dave everywhere. Invest in Mel Dave uh, on YouTube, on TikTok, even on Instagram and, and Facebook. And we're on all platforms. And we're going to be putting all of the links in our show notes. So make sure you guys check out Investor Mel and Dave. Mel, thanks for your time. You're generous with your time today. And uh, I was late, you guys, for those listening and watching this. And, and Mel stuck around and wanted to still do the interview. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And uh, I can't wait to have you guys uh, back on. Hey, my pleasure. And thanks so much, Matthew. All right.